uh, I'm excited because we have Pastor George Odero live stream from Kenya. Welcome, George. Can you hear? Yeah, he can hear you. Good deal. Uh, George, honestly, we around here, we just we look at George as a brother. We kind of look at him as a staff, as as part of our staff. He just lives in Africa. Uh, so many of you know George Pastors Forward Church. Um, wrong guy, and then also now has planted Forward Church Obanda, and has probably got lots more on the way. He has so many pastors coming to him that are hearing the gospel, that uh, they're wanting him to plant churches, and you know he is actually a bishop. You're looking at a bona fide bishop, with with probably lots of churches being you know getting ready to come up under him. He's. I wish we had time to really go into his backstory and his history. We met in. Africa in Kenya when I was over there doing some work and it just the relationship kindled and progressed and I've watched him grow into a very seasoned mature minister so what's happening is in 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 Kenya it's very legalistic and George has gotten a hold of the true simple gospel message and it really is revolutionizing so many people's lives and ministries over there. There will be bishops with like 50 churches underneath them that challenge him. And then when he sits down and walks them through the gospel, they say, I've never heard this. I need you to teach me. So there's some really big things happening over there and it's hard for us to grasp. So I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to him, George, if you want to go. And it looks like you actually have about 30 minutes. If you go until about 25 after the hour, that should be good. He will be back in the second service as well. So show him a little bit of love. Or he, don't mute it yet. He can, he can hear you. Love you, brother. Appreciate you. Have at, Have it. at it. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Clint. Um, and thank you for our church. Um, I'm very happy to be here with you today. And... Uh, just as Clint has introduced me, uh, I met Clint in uh, 2011, that is 2011, when uh, Clint came to Nakuru. I didn't know Clint by that time, uh, but uh, I, I was on Facebook. I, I, I wasn't going on Facebook by myself. I used to write things on, uh, on a paper, and I was giving my girlfriend um, who convinced me to get on Facebook. I didn't know things to do with the computer until uh, that time in 2011. In 2011, I, I had not touched a computer myself. So um, at that time, we found a friend request from uh, Sarah. And uh, <coughs> um, Sarah was asking me to go and, um, and, and see Clint in Nakuru. So it's a long story. If we get into it, it might take all the time. But um, um, to cut just that, that long story short is that uh, I told I told Sarah that uh, I'm not able to go to to see uh, Clint because I don't know him. But actually, I'm going to Nakuru, and um, I'm going to another meeting by another uh, pastor uh, from uh, someone called Jim Richards Ministry. By that time, I could go and uh, and watch uh, Jim Richards at uh, uh, Cyber when a friend could put for me something like that, and we stumbled onto Jim Richards and we started uh, understanding things. Now, the message of Jim Richards uh, really uh, touched my life because uh, I was born 
in Kisumu city here in Kenya. And then I ran away from home when I was in primary six and started living in the street. And uh, life was very difficult. A lot of things uh, happened there because life is tough in the street. We could uh, um, steal, we could be beaten. I mean, I have been set on fire. I've been thrown in the, in the lake. I've been thrown at night at, at the lake and left to die. I've been beaten. A lot of things have happened. Uh, and uh, these days, this time when I was in the street, when everyone wanted to see me dead, my mom could still come and look for me and even go into the streets and try to, to, to convince uh, the street boys who are very dangerous uh, to just to try and get hold of me. And uh, from that time, I was hearing messages, the gospel being preached uh, in the streets and I wanted to be saved, but I knew that uh, I could not keep salvation. Um, there's one thing that I, I used to say when I was praying, even though I was not a Christian, but I was praying. And I told God that I wish God was like my mother. I wish God was, I mean, at least uh, some percentage as good as my mother. I'd never known such a, a God who is so good because I knew God is punitive, is punishing sins at all the time. So when I heard Jim Richards and it was like, wow, this sounds like what my heart has been desiring. And uh, um, I continued that way until now when Clint came and I was able to, to go. Uh, when Sarah told me, that's the one I'm telling you, that's the guy I'm telling you to go and meet. And uh, I met Clint. At the time that I met Clint, my life was still in chaos. I mean, I was living in a very small 10 by 10 house. Uh, in that house, there was no, no mattress, no blanket, no... Uh, no food, no, no, no utensil, no nothing. I was sleeping on the bare floor, but I had my Bible and I, I, my life was still so much in chaos and I was trying to, to draw close to God. So I went here and connected with Clint and somehow he just liked me. And when he went back to the US, we continued through our correspondence in, in 2011, uh, I mean, throughout 2011. Then 2012, by the grace of God, I, I, I wedded my wife, Leah, and... Um, we moved from where I was living to this town of uh, Rongai because God just spoke to us to move to Rongai. And um, as we came to Rongai, I didn't want anything to do with church I, because I knew I had a message that uh, may not be accepted in church. So I moved into uh, the streets where we have people uh, doing drugs, very dangerous guys and uh, just started mixing with them because I came from that kind of a life and started sharing this message of God's unconditional love and grace. And uh, it began to work there in the slums. And uh, out of that place, we got three people that were very much interested in this message because at that time I was just going to the slums and uh, I was calling people uh, to a small uh, places that are built with teens and you, you could drink uh, tea there and, uh, and uh, eat something. So I would buy them things to eat and while they are eating, I just share scriptures. And out of that, three guys got saved and then I removed them. I moved those meetings to my house. So Leah and I could just cook for people and then we started doing conferences. And then in the course of that, uh, somebody sends me a message from India asking me to go and preach to them. 
And I said, I, I've never even entered an aeroplane. I've never even touched an aeroplane. How can I come to India? I don't have that kind of money. And he says, well, I'm not a Christian, but uh, a doc the doctor told me I was going to die in two weeks. And then I went to pray and uh, Jesus healed me. And he told me it's Jesus Christ. And he asked me, he told me to look for someone who can teach me about him. So I went and told my friend um, who is a Muslim and works at a, at a cyber, cyber cave. So this Muslim uh, went on Facebook and looked and they found me. And actually it's the Muslim who wrote, because this guy did not know how to write these things. It's the Muslim who wrote to me and said, we think you are the one. So if God can heal this person, then God can bring you to India. So from that time, um, we, we began praying. Then from 2013, that is 2013, I went to India for the first time. So God provided. I, we just, I just posted on my Facebook and I said, if God so leads you, then, and then the finances came and we paid the airfares and I went to India and uh, we preached. My first preaching was uh, in, a, uh, in a Buddhist temple and uh, we saw the power of God uh, saving a Buddhist priest who also left the temple and uh, by the next day, we started baptizing people uh, who got saved, and then they started doing the open air meetings. So from that time, um, um, we've been going to India since every year, God has been providing in miraculous ways to take us there. Right now, we have a, a school where we are training pastors in this wonderful message of God's amazing grace and love. And these pastors are, uh, are coming out we even invite uh, people who are uh, not Christians and they're coming there. If uh, some of you have been following, you can know that uh, that brought some problems sometime, but the word of God has been prevailing. Um, back here in Kenya, we, we have been uh, um, sharing this message with uh, the people, especially in villages. We have our church here in Ongata Rongai. Um, we just finished, uh, we already finished our services. Our services are much longer than yours. We start at 9 a.m. and we finish at 1 p.m. Sometimes we go up to 2 p.m. because our services are, are long. Mm, so um, we, we have tried to, to be going to the villages. And in the villages, we just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we have found a very big need to preach the gospel both to the lost in the world and to the lost in churches because here uh, many people even the ones that are in uh, mm, in pentecostal churches protestant churches it's it's just people going there but when you begin to talk about jesus christ and who he is people go like no I don't think I have heard about that. So we've found that there is so much need to share this message with the, of the gospel with these people. Now, another thing that happens in our country, it is uh, difficult to run a church, especially when things begin to happen and you begin to do big, big meetings. Um, you can be thrown to jail if you are not uh, legally registered with the government. So we registered uh, forward church and it's officially registered. Now, another thing that this does is that in, in, in most of our villages, actually in the whole country, even in, in the cities, there is that uh, system of hierarchy. You know, there is a small church there, 
then there is a mother church and a mother church and a, and a mother church. And then there is so much burden on these small churches. The smaller you are, the more burden upon you to feed the, the bigger church. So you find that people who are so, so honest, so sincere, wanting to grow in the Lord, the people are so good in their walk with the Lord when they are alone there until they become organized in a church system. And the whole burden just comes on people and Christianity becomes boring and, and it's just something else. So when our ministry came and we say, you know what? We recognize local churches and uh, even that, um, if we relate with the church, that's it. And every church is just to take care of uh, their, their pastor and, and their things that they're doing. For us, we can just come in to help in this, this, this and that way. Um, so it's, it's many people are really begging us to work with them. Whenever they hear our message, first of all, they are attracted to the message because it's so freeing. And then they fall in love with Jesus Christ. Most people fall in love with Jesus for the first time when they hear about uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us. And many people also um, just want to connect with this uh, so that they can be free from the burden of religion. But we know the problem that uh, that kind of a system comes with. So we have, we have always maintained, we have refused to allow people to join us so that we can move at the pace that our heart enlarges. We don't want to take more than we can handle, more than God has prepared us for. Actually, uh, just last month, we were in a village um, where we had a pastor's conference, about 80 pastors. And uh, these pastors, when they heard the word, um, they, they shared with us and um, uh, they wanted to, to become part of us because they're saying that with this message that we have now received, it's difficult to preach it in our, in our places where we are because people will not, um, will not be allowed by our leaders to preach this. Can you allow us to, to join forward? And these were uh, like 20 churches and we are like, no, <laughs> we, we are not ready for that. Now, the churches that we have planted ourselves is now this one in Rongai, um, and another one in Rangwe, and another one in Obanda. Now, the church in Obanda, we also have another one in a place called um, Rachuonyo. Now, the one in, in, in Obanda, the pastor who was there was an elderly pastor, almost 100 years old. So this pastor, um, when he, he heard the message of grace from us, he left the place where he was. He said he, he, he cannot even become a pastor anymore. He just wants to hear this gospel and, uh, and, just, and just feed on this and, and, and be, he will be okay with that. And so when he joined us uh, later on, he had to take care of three churches that he was taking care of. That is Obanda, Rangwe, and the one in Rachuonyo. Now, it's only Rangwe that we have allowed to use the name Forward Church because we have uh, done a lot of training in that area. Uh, the other people in Obanda and the other church, we still go there to do conferences, but uh, we have not given them the full right to really become Forward Church because when they become that, I am responsible for anything wrong that uh, they can do. So we allow them also to grow like that because all our churches started as fellowships without any name. And uh, that's what 
we are at. So I want to rush this real quickly into the word of God and share with you a bit of these things that we share outside there um, when we take the gospel out there. Now, you, you know very well that um, uh, we, we have also been going to Mount Parker, uh, to the Pokot people, and we also have a ministry to the Maasai's. And uh, what we have been doing lately is just uh, making disciples, just training others who can be able to reach their areas and minister in their areas. So um, one thing that, uh, that we have realized that as uh, we have found out as we go out to preach the gospel, in Kenya, there are so many pastors who really love the Lord and are preaching the gospel, but they don't even have a Bible. So that was our first concern. I mean, you can find like a, a whole village without a Bible. Um, this became a pain to me when uh, me, myself, for me to get my first Bible, I had to save for six months to be able to buy my first Bible. Um, sometimes uh, here, work can be very difficult to get one. And even when you're paid, there are other things. I mean, when you have money, you, you, you wonder, do I buy a Bible or do I buy food or do I take care of? So, so many people do not have Bibles. So I went to our village church and I said, okay, we are going to do this. You're going to fast and pray and ask God that all of our churches should have Bibles, at least one Bible every church that we have. And at that time, uh, we have uh, Rongai, Rangwe, Obanda and the other one. So, but only two are using the name forward uh, until now. The other ones are, uh, are still just functioning as believers coming together, but they are depending uh, on us to, uh, to try raise raise them and so that they can be able to pick leaders from among themselves. So there were no Bibles. And then we prayed this and by the grace of God, after, uh, after about two years of prayer, uh, God started bringing Bibles to us and things were happening. And we have been able to give Bibles in this country. I mean, I can say we have, we have given a lot of Bibles and we are still trusting God for that because we, are, we, are, we started with leaders. At least a pastor should have God's word. I mean, just, just the pastor. You know what made me so much annoyed is when I, I went home, I didn't carry my Bible because my mom had a Bible. And when I went there, a pastor borrowed the Bible. He used to borrow the Bible, read it, make notes, and then go and preach from that paper. But this time, this pastor went away with the Bible, and he goes to another village. So I went there, and there was no Bible. So that's when we started that prayer. And God has been so faithful, and we are still trusting God for provision of Bibles. Um, Forward Church, Rangwe, is built. It's a stone church a big church that we are now using for uh, Bible, Bible training. And actually next year, it's going to be a full Bible college that we are going to be doing, doing there. It's going to be forward Bible school where people are going to come there and will be trained uh, on a, in a more serious way, um, uh, which maybe we'll talk about uh, another time. Uh, but pastors are getting trained, getting their hearts established in grace. I mean, we are producing communities of grace and hope, and uh, and people just love this. And uh, we thank God. But it's very expensive. It's very burdensome. It's our desire to be able to go to the villages once every month, every month to go there. This time, as I'm speaking to you, we are just back from the village. And uh, we took one week in... in uh, 
three villages just sharing these messages and people are so thirsty whenever we go there people come they don't care how they will sleep they tell you even if you are not eating we are going to come there and they camp there and they sleep in the church outside just waiting to be taught this wonderful message of god's grace so as we talk of this message um i just want to share a bit from the scriptures so that you can uh, get a, a, a bit of what we are sharing in these places uh, as we share the word of God that is changing our lives. And uh, allow me to read uh, Romans chapter 1. I will read as I jump. I'll start from uh, uh, verse number 1 where the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So Paul is beginning this message as he says that he has been separated unto the gospel of God. Now, the word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, which simply means good news. And there can be many sorts of good news. For example, if you thought that you had cancer, you go to your doctor and then they check you. They say you don't have cancer. That will be good news. So euangelion, you don't have cancer. So evangelion can be good news of any kind, anything good that happens to you. But the writers of the New Testament, when they were writing the New Testament, they brought this word to refer to a specific message, not every other good news, but a specific message, which is a good news from a specific person, namely God. So this is the gospel is good news from God, and it is towards mankind. And it is about how they can be saved from a hell they deserve to a heaven they don't. What I mean with that is this. You see, when we share the gospel, we always, uh, in here in Africa, I, we always establish the identity of God and the identity of Jesus Christ. We talk about the character of God, the nature of God, who he is like. Because here you can talk about God and somebody hears that message in the creed of their syncretism. And they think of the gods of maybe a god of a mountain, god of a tree. So we really have to establish that the God that we are talking about is the creator God of the Bible. We have to just do that. And whenever we do that, even Christians, even people who knew that they are born again, their eyes open and they begin to see Yahweh as the only true God. So when we establish that, that this God has some news, and this news is towards unworthy people who don't deserve it, and it's about a specific thing. There are many things that God can do for us, but the issue, the number one issue between God and a lost person is one of their destiny, that the world, all of us have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, and we are bound in sins and trespasses. And this is how the world is like. The world is in chain. And someone that is in chain cannot be given good advice. That's why the gospel is not good advice. It is good news. Advice tells you what you need to do. It's a good thing that you need to do that can help you. But news, good news tells you what has happened. So the gospel is not a good advice about what you need to do in order to have a relationship with God or in order to go to heaven. It's a good news about something that happened 2,000 years ago. You see, the gospel is not a subjective message about something that is going to happen in your little heart or something that you're going to feel inside of you. No, it is a subjective message about something that happened outside of you 2,000 years ago, which means you can move back in history and find a time 
when Jesus Christ, son, son of the Most High God, was crucified between two robbers, and there Christ died for us, paying the wages of our sins. As the Bible says, that the wages of sin is death. So the gospel is, if we can continue with those verses, which I don't want to open the Bible right now, because we have a short time, it goes ahead to say that the gospel is concerning his son, Jesus Christ. Concerning his son, I think that is either verse three or verse four. So the gospel is not concerning you and what you need to stop doing in order to have a relationship with God. The gospel is not concerning you and what you need to start doing. The gospel is concerning his son, Jesus Christ. That's why when you come to verse 14 and 15, Paul says that I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the Jews and to the Gentiles, both to, to the rich and to the poor. Therefore, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to those of you who are in Rome also. So he says, I'm ready. I'm prepared. This is, this is the thing that is at the forefront of my thinking. The gospel is the message that I'm thinking about. When, when I see a, a person, I'm looking for an opportunity to be able to share the message of the gospel with them. Why? Because the gospel is the most important message that every person in the world needs to understand. So what is this message that every person needs to understand? Verse 16 and 17, Paul says like this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, what is the meaning of that when he says, I'm not ashamed? What Paul is saying is that I have complete confidence in the gospel. The word shame there, what it, come, what it means is the feeling that comes to you when something that you trusted in fails to deliver. So when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he's saying that the gospel works at all times. The gospel works for every person. The gospel works. It works. Therefore, I have complete confidence in it. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation. And that word power, because the Bible says the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. That word power, it has a meaning that we want to look at before we close. And uh, that meaning, we find it in, uh, in, um, in uh, let me read it in King James Version, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 11. It says, therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be unto me a barbarian. What Paul is saying there is talking about speaking in tongues, but we are not going to go into that right now. But I just want to show what Paul is talking about in, in, in Romans 1 verse 16, when he says that the gospel is the power of God. That word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, dunamis, which means ability, strength, supernatural power, miraculous power. Now, when he talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 11, and he says that when, when I'm speaking and the person does not get the meaning, that word meaning is also the same word, dunamis. When we think in English, it's like, how? What's the connection? Yet in Greek, it's the same word. So wh why am I comparing these two? The reason is this. An understood gospel is a powerful gospel. The power of the gospel is understanding the meaning of the gospel. 
when we talk about God, when we talk about Jesus Christ, what do we mean? For example, when you say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means, dear friends, as we close? Do, does it hit you what that means? What is in a name? Because as I've just said, that the power of the gospel is in understanding. So my aim, our aim as we go out there is for people to come to understanding. We are not trying to bring them to anything else, but to come to understanding. In the parable of Jesus, he said that the one that, they sat, that Satan was able to steal from were those who did not understand. But when the gospel is understood, when the word of God is understood, it brings power. We always, whenever I go out there, people tell me, okay, I've understood this gospel of grace, but how will I, how will we change? How will people change? How will people live a holy life? And I suggest to them that if people are not living a holy life, it's because there's something people have not understood because an understood gospel is a powerful gospel. So it's the gospel of Christ. Now, who is Jesus Christ? There is something in a name and a name of somebody shows us two things. One, who they are and two, what they are known for. When I just tell you a name like this, those questions will rise in your mind. Who is that? Who are they and what are they known for? Their identity and their reputation. Those two things are answered in a name. For example, when you see this name, Adolf Hitler, what comes to your mind? What can you say about this person? Good or bad? Okay, you can, you can just say, but by seeing the name, something has just risen in your, because when you see Adolf Hitler, you've started thinking about World War II and how he was a, a dictator and things like that. How about this person? Good or bad? Winston Churchill. Also somebody you can think about in World War II. The British, he was a British statesman. Good person, helped people. So by just seeing a name, you can answer questions. How about this guy? Good or bad? Just by seeing a name, Osama bin Laden. You see, there's something that comes to your mind, who they are and what they're known for. And friends, what about this one here? Mother Teresa, what comes to, you, to your mind? What are they known for? Good person or bad person? You're thinking about India and, and orphans and stuff like that. Friends? How about this person here? Philip Ombura. Who is this? If I could see you, people could be like, uh, uh, who is that? Your mind is blank. You don't know this person. Well, Dan, who is this person? It's my father-in-law. My father. Your father. Yeah. And who is it to me? It's your father-in-law. My father-in-law. This is my father-in-law. Now you know something. You know who they are, but you don't know what they are known for, their reputation, whether they are good or bad. My father-in-law is a good person, he's a godly man, working for the Lord, respects the Lord, does a lot in schools, has changed so many lives. He's a good person, godly man. Now you know who they are and their reputation. You know what we tell children? When we raise children, we tell them, don't trust strangers. And dear friends, let me tell you something. There's one more person that I'm, I have to tell you. How about this person? When you see this person, what do you think? Do you know we go to places where this name happens to people like what has happened to you when I lifted Philip Ombura? They have no idea who he is. They have no idea what he is known for. He means nothing to them. That's why we are, we are, we are going out there to preach this message to people who do not know Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. 
worse than those who are blank when they see this name. There are those people who they are not blank, but they have something else that is opposite of the truth about this person. They know something and that's the most dangerous. It's better a person who is blank when it comes to this name than a person who has something that they know about this person which is not true. And about that, we will continue in second service, which will move us from what I read in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Faith that makes you become a child of God. And then after that, faith for living the Christian life. I will connect from where we have stopped from, because there is something that we should know about Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for you and me. May the Lord bless you as we come to the close of this message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us, O oh God, to think about your son, Jesus Christ, whom you gave to a sinful world, a world that had no direction. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we deserved to die and perish in hell. Yet, Lord, you loved us so much when we were unlovable, and you gave your son, Jesus Christ, as a satisfactory substitute who came and died on our behalf, rose again the third day, and now he is alive forever to give eternal life to every person who will trust in him. And Lord, when this life comes into us, it's a powerful life. It's a raising from the dead kind of a life for God. And this life changes our lives, oh God, so that we can bear fruits unto God. Father, I pray for somebody that is not clear in the gospel, that they may have the eyes opened, oh God, that they may see the power that is inherent in the gospel, oh God. And I pray for a believer that may be blinded a, a little bit, oh God, so that they are losing their confidence in the gospel, that they may be reminded that the gospel of Christ is the power of God to healing, power of God to a sanctified life, power of God to a holy living, oh God. We thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Yeah. Show him some love. Man, awesome. Thank you so much, brother. I, I hate to cut it off, but yeah, part two. So everybody's going to either stay or walk, because we actually have a different crowd that comes in for the second one, but they can just go back and watch the first one. So, I mean, do you appreciate him or what? You know, <clears throat> just, just the opportunities to be able to get out there. I, we've been talking about wanting to increase, I think, what is it, 350 a month we send? We, send, we only get to send $350 a month over there. I would like to increase that. Um, you know, there, there's a couple of different ways we can add. You can add to your current giving. You can go online and give directly to Forward Church Kenya, which is a, which is a drop-down tab for our, in our online giving area. Uh, you know, and, and I know he doesn't believe me when I say this now, but I will be going back over there at some point. It's going to happen. <laughs> I've had to cancel so many times. Of course, with mom being sick, it's hard to go away right now. But anyway, that will happen. We will minister together again and then have him here at some point too. you know, set up a couple of things. I know he's got some friends in Canada that he's trying to get to see. 
Uh, so anyway, say hello to your family. They have one of the one of their children. They actually named after me. So that's just such a sweet thing to have him. Is he is he there? He's probably running around there somewhere. But uh, anyway, we'll let you go for now, George. We'll have you back in just a little while, and uh, I'll jump on Facebook and send you a message if you have a question about time. So anyway, show him a little bit of love one more time. <laughs>